0: Well, good afternoon. It's good to see you as we worship our God together. Um, The only announcement I have is read the announcements. How's that? All right. If you haven't done so already, I trust that you've got one of the little sheets that has Psalm 102 on it. We will sing it to the tune of number six in the Trinity. If you need to see the music, all ye that fear Jehovah's name. All right. So we will uh, sing. This is this is not the complete Psalm 102. Cliff will read us through the complete. I think this is the first 12 verses. So um, if I did the whole thing, we'd be singing about 20 verses. So um, these are the first ones. So let's stand together if you're able and sing together. Psalm 102. Tried to turn on the fan to see if that would give more circulation, but sounds like it's going to come through the roof. Good idea, but. All
1: right.
0: Thought a helicopter was landing there for a minute. All right, let's give ourselves to prayer. Uh, Dan, would you lead us in prayer, please? Amen. You can be seated.
2: Please turn to that Psalm 102. If you will, I will read from the New King James this afternoon. Um, I'm glad we stopped at verse 12 in a way. It is a good natural uh, dividing point if we only read... The first 12 verses, we might think this was just an individual praying to God because of the problems uh, that he is going through. But I would submit for your consideration that this is, in fact, Messiah praying as the voice of Israel uh, to God under the heavy hand of God <coughs> upon them. Um only well, I'll set this before you for your consideration of what, as well I would say that only Old Covenant Israel would be able to say this you raised me up to cast me down I can't see the church being able to say that but that's just an undeveloped thought of mine and so I'll lay that out there for you but in verse 13 it becomes clear that This person is not praying just for himself. He has the people of God in mind. He has Zion in mind. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. That this is a messianic psalm is unmistakable from uh, verse 25, which is quoted in Hebrews 1 uh, 10 through 12, those verses are ascribed to Jesus Christ. And so he is most definitely in view there, but I would extend that to say this is in fact a prayer of his on behalf or even as the people of God, even as we are in Christ. So was true Israel in Christ. And they are in view here, the afflicted, a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before Yahweh. Hear my prayer, O Yahweh, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me. In the day of my trouble, incline your ear to me. In the day that I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. But you, O Yahweh, shall endure forever. And the remembrance of your name to all generations, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her Yes, the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones, think First Peter, and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of Yahweh and all the kings of the earth your glory. For Yahweh shall build up Zion. He shall appear in His glory. Think John 1.14. We beheld His glory glory is of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth verse 16 for Yahweh again for Yahweh shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory, he shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the, the Lord Yahweh. That's us, yet to be created. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven, Yahweh viewed the earth. To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death. To declare the name of Yahweh in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve Yahweh. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days, I said. Oh, my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days, your years, throughout all generations of old. You laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens, the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same Your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you.
0: Thank you, Cliff. Now take uh, the Trinity hymn book and turn to Hymn 531. Hymn 531. It's a hymn about prayer. Come, my soul, thy soup prepare, Jesus Loves to answer prayer. And then I love that second verse. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power such none can ever ask too much. Well, let's sing this hymn together before Brother Ken comes. 531. Let's stand together as we sing.
3: Well, I hope you can hear okay with all the uh, fans and the uh, lawn equipment. Again, I'm thankful for this opportunity to um, open God's Word and proclaim His truth this afternoon. It is truly a joy and a delight. Turn with me again to our focus scripture, which is Matthew 11 and verse... 12, Matthew 11 and verse 12. Verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, how thankful we are this afternoon that we can come again in your house and meet and sing to your glory and honor. We thank you for the psalms uh, that um, bring such delight to our hearts. We thank you for Psalm 102 and its message. Father, we pray that you will help us for the next few minutes to to concentrate on what you have for us today. Help us to set aside those things which um, may be a burden to us or may be those things that, uh, other things that tend to grab our attention. And help us, Lord, just to focus on what you have for us today and may you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The majority of today's message, again, comes from... Thomas Watson's little book, Heaven Taken by Storm. And uh, so that, along with primarily Scripture, uh, we'll we'll take a look at this passage. We'll focus on verse 12 there, Matthew 11. The last time we gathered together, we considered bringing a holy violence, as it were, or really what it's talking about is an intense focus a holy zeal on the reading and hearing of God's precious Word. Many uh, professing Christians in today's churches come to the Word in a a dull, drowsy manner, as if they came to church to take a uh, recipe to make them sleep. And I mentioned this last time, but I'll mention it again, writes Mr. Watson, to such sleepy hearers, God may well say, sleep on. Reading the word is to be looked on as searching for a vein of treasure. Proverbs 2.4 says, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover... The knowledge of the Lord. So reading and so reading and hearing the Word should be done with seriousness, should be done with focused intensity, closing out all the distractions that that bother us all, and purpose. We must have a purpose as we open the Word of God. We must do it prayerfully. Both of these things, reading and hearing, must be done with deep meditation and ponderousness, ponderousness, pondering the meaning of these things and wringing out of them, as it were, the, the uh, purpose and the sense of uh, what God is intending to communicate to us. In other words, God's weighty truth is weighty truth. Now today we will, with God's help and direction, look to bring this holy violence, this determined zealousness, to two things, to prayer and meditation. And quite frankly, today we will only get to cover prayer and probably only part of that. So I ask for your patience and we'll go right through this. So the third duty we are to offer is violence to ourselves in prayer. Mr. Watson writes, when we either join in prayer with others or pray alone, we must use a holy violence. Not eloquence in prayer, but violence carries it. Intensity, pouring out your heart. It's not the eloquence of speech. Apollo was, uh, was a good orator. He was a great orator. Some followed Apollo and, and some followed Paul. Some followed Jesus. Some Peter. But it's not the eloquence. It's, it's the intensity. It's the heartfelt Holy Spirit. Theodorus speaking of Martin Luther said once I overheard him, Martin Luther, in prayer with what life and spirit he did pray it was with so much reverence as if he were speaking to God yet with so much confidence as if he had been speaking to his friend. So When we go to prayer, there must be, to do it properly, a stirring up of the heart. Stirring up to the heart. The King James Version of Job 11.13 says, If thou wilt prepare thine heart and stretch out thy hands toward Him. Psalm 143.6 I stretch forth my hands unto Thee. My soul thirsteth after Thee as, thirst, as a thirsty land, Selah. Mr. Watson says the musician first tunes his instrument before he plays. So prayer is a lifting up of the mind and the soul to, to God. God. To be done right, we must do so with a holy violence. There are some names given to prayer which imply violence. Genesis 32, 24, and you don't have to look these up. You can jot them down if you'd like. But Genesis 32 and 24 says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestle a man with him until the breaking of day. He wrestled. He wrestled. He did not offer up a sleepy request. I won't let you go until you bless me. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.5 And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. James 15, or excuse me, James 516 through seventeen, you've heard this many times. the effectual fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. And I do like that it includes righteous. There are many things that can hinder our prayers. So it may not make a whole lot of difference if you're fervent, but you're not righteous. You have unconfessed sin in your heart. Things that hinder prayer. Fervent. That word in the Greek is Energy. Oh, energy. Oh, it is energized like an electrical current through a current energizing a wire, bringing it to a shining light bulb. Energy. Pray with energy. I like this from the biblical illustrator on effectual prayer. It says, Do not break, said the bow to the string. One day, putting a stretch upon its power, I will do my utmost, answered the string. And with a twanging sound, the arrow shot forth. It pierced the air and went straight to the mark and gained the prize. From a loose... um, but But the arrow which is shot... From a loose cord drops powerless to the ground. I like that. But from the tightly drawn bowstring, it, it springs forward and reaches the object to which it is directed. And sometime we come to the Lord in prayer, and yet it is a dead and heartless prayer. Some are half asleep when they pray. Uh, I I listened to a a Puritan, um, a a preacher who was preaching on the Puritans. And he said, "Uh, be sure is when you come to your prayer time, don't give God your sleepy time. Sometime you wake up, you know, I've done this, you wake up first thing in the morning and that first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get with the Lord and pray. And sometimes my mind starts to wander and I'm just kind of like half there. And that's not right. I'm giving God this sluggish... He would, I think, but just as soon I go and get cleaned up and prepare what I want to say, confess my sins, get ready, and then pray. And then pray. Will a sleepy prayer ever awaken God? Do we really desire what we ask for God, Ask from God? Think about it. When we pray, when we pray to someone, pray for someone on behalf, an intercessory prayer, when we pray for ourselves, we petition Him to help us in some situation or some habit or whatever it may be, do we really want it? When I went to my dad and I wanted a particular gift for Christmas, man, I let him know about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I got in his face. This is it. Don't get me anything else but this. And you zero in on it. And, and uh, I God loves a hot prayer. Have our prayers become mechanical? Do we sometimes use the same dry formula, as it were? Do we sometimes use the same words over and over and over again? And pretty soon we open our mouth and these things just fall out because we said them so many times. Have we given any thought, any preparation to our prayer? Have they become rote, root, routine, and mechanical? You know, our God is a God of variety. He is a He is our Creator God. He loves variety. You know, every snowflake is different. <laughs> every human being is different. All these trees and species and. Plant life—they're all different. And then we come to him with the same prayer we prayed yesterday and the day before, in the same format, and it's become routine. God likes those prayers best that come seething hot from the heart. Listen to First Chronicles five twenty. They cried out to God in battle. They cried out to Him. Luke 18, 7-8, a passage you're all familiar with. Will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry out to Him day and night? Not to those who pray to Him now and again but cry out to Him. There's a difference. I can tell you He will promptly carry out justice on their behalf. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Psalm 77.1, the Psalm of Asaph. I like the New King James Version. It says, I cried out to God with my voice and He gave ear to me. Psalm 57, 2. I will cry out to the God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. Cry out to the Most High God. Do you cry out every day? Do I? First Kings seventeen twenty-one. And he, Elijah, stretched himself upon the child three times. And what did he do? He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray Thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. How many of us are distracted while praying? Mr. Watson writes, How far are they from offering violence who give God distracted prayer? While they are praying, they are thinking of their shop and their trade. How can he shoot right, whose eye is quite off the mark? Ezekiel 33:31 says, Their heart goeth after their covetousness. He again writes, when we send our hearts on an errand to heaven, how often do they loiter and play by the way? Now, here are some things that must be duly weighed when entering into prayer. These things must be duly thought about, duly weighed. Number one, the majesty of God with whom we have to do. And we've heard this preached a lot of times. The majesty of God, the creator and sustainer of the universe and all of us. There's not, uh, what what I read a, a piece the other day and it said there's not a single molecule that's a, uh, in rebellion. Not one. They're all under his control. He knows how it is with us in prayer. Whether we are deeply affected with those things we pray for, Mister Watson writes again. Nothing will sooner make God' anger wax hot than a cold prayer. Number two, so we think about the majesty of God. Number two, he says prayer without fervency and violence is no prayer at all no prayer at all it is speaking not praying it's simply speaking number 3 the zeal and violence of the affections in prayer best suits god's nature god is spirit john 4:24 and you may be sure that prayer that is full of life and spirit is the savory meat he loves. Watson says this, and in, in, uh, Jan sometimes tells me that I ought to get more exercise. And that I ought to go back to lifting some weights and riding my bike more often and And I remind her of this. Paul said bodily exercise profits nothing. So that's my out. Tis not the stretching of the lungs, but the vehemence of the desire that makes music in God's ears. Number four, consider the need we have of those things that we ask in prayer. We come to ask favor of God. We pray that our souls may be washed in Christ's blood. And if He does not wash us, we have no part in Him. When will a man be earnest if not begging for his life? There's somebody here today that's not saved. There's someone in this room. And they need to beg for their life. Sure, grace is free. But they need to, to confess and repent and beg God for their life. Luke eighteen thirteen says this, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me the sinner. Mr. D. W. Talmage remarks, I find that this man saw that mercy would have be of no advantage to him unless he pleaded for it. He did not say, if I am to be saved, I will be saved, and if I am to be lost, I will be lost. There's nothing for me to do. He knew that a thing worth having is worth asking for, and therefore he makes the agonizing cry. Talmadge goes on, he says, Mark you, it was an earnest prayer, and if you look through the Bible, you will see that all the prayers that were answered were earnest prayers. But mark you this, The publican's prayer was not only earnest, but it was humble. It was humble. By contrast, the Pharisee looked up and the publican looked down. I remarked further that there was a ringing confidence in that prayer. He knew he would get the blessing if he asked for it. And he did get it, didn't he? Number five of the things we need to weigh when entering prayer. Let it provoke violence in prayer to consider that those things that we ask God has in mind to grant. We are to ask in the will of the Lord. We know what he would be pleased to grant. It says so in his word. But if a son asks for nothing but what his father is willing to bestow, he may move, he may the more earnest be more earnest in his request. He knows he's going to get it. Because that's what God wants for our life. Go to God for pardon of sin. And no work is more pleasing to Him than to seal pardons. There's nothing more that God loves to do is to forgive you. Forgive you. Mercy is His delight. Micah 7.18 Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the transgressions of the remnant of His inheritance? Who does not retain His anger forever because He delights in loving devotion? We pray to God for a holy heart and this prayer is according to His will to pray for a holy heart. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 This is the will of God, even your sanctification. We pray that God would give us a heart to love Him. How pleasing this request must be to God when his children come to him and say lord help me to please you this if anything may excite prayer when we know that we pray for nothing but that which will is more will that god is more willing to grant than we are to ask number 6 of what we need to weigh when entering prayer Mr. Watson writes again, No mercy can be bestowed on us but in a way of prayer. Mercy is purchased by Christ's blood, but it is conveyed by prayer. Again he says, Tis only violence and intensity of spirit in prayer that have the promise of mercy affixed to them. Just as the publican cried out, "Have mercy on me." Matthew seven seven says this: "says Knock and it will be opened." Cruite, the Greek word for knock, to knock, to beat a door with a stick, to rap. And so, in a sense, knocking is a violent motion. You're knocking. I watch police shows. Used to be, I watch police shows, and when they go to knock on a door looking for somebody, they don't go up and go, typically, police. But they do it violently. The Ediles. Anybody know what an Edile is? An Edile. I never knew what it was. The Ediles among the Romans. They were responsible for maintenance of public buildings. And they had their doors always standing open so that all who had petitions might have free access to them. God's heart is ever open to fervent prayer. We must be fired with zeal and pray more earnestly. This is what this is all about, is zeal. When we talk about violence, it's a holy zeal and intensity. I like what Dr. F. W. Krumacher writes, When thou standest before his gate, knock loudly and boldly, not as a beggar knocks, but as one who belongs to the house. Not as a vagabond who is afraid of the police, but as a friend and an intimate acquaintance. Not only as one who is apprehensive or um, apprehensive of being... Uh, troublesome, or coming at an improper time. And we think of the the man who had a friend and it was midnight and he knocked on his friend's door and continued knocking until he got something to feed his guest. But of a guest who may be assured of a hearty welcome, we love it when we go to somebody's home, knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and they welcome you in. Number eight of the things to weigh before entering prayer, God has given large returns to violent prayer. That type of prayer pays off. The Bible is full of them. Psalm 34.6 This poor man cried out, And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He cried out. Daniel in the den prayed and prevailed. Prayer shut the lion's mouths and opened the lion's den. Johannes Sledan, a historian and analyst of the Reformation, reported of Martin Luther that Perceiving the interest of religion to be low, he took himself to prayer. At length, rising off his knees, he came out of his closet triumphantly, saying to his friends, we have overcome. We've overcome. Man can never pray fervently who does not pray feelingly, feelingly. Samson, Prayed earnestly for water when he was ready to die. Judges 15.18 records, After pursuing the Philistines till he was exhausted, he prayed. Then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God opened the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. And when Samson drank, his strength returned. And he was revived. And that is why he named it en Hakore And it remains in Lehi to this day. en Kakore, Which means spring... Spring of one calling. It, it, was the, it was the spring of one calling. The location of a miraculous spring. Well, that concludes looking at prayer, and there are so much more. But the main point I want to leave with is this. And this goes for me more than anyone. We need to spend more time in prayer. And we need to spend more time preparing to pray. We need to think about asking God for things that are in His will. And we most assuredly will get them. We need to pray with confidence. We need to be bold when we pray. We need to cry out when we pray. But we need to have a serious prayerfulness when we pray and and so my prayer for us is that we would begin anew this very day and that we would perhaps change some of our prayer habits and maybe just maybe just put a little more zeal into our request to our great God. let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, how we love you and we want to love you more. So I would even pray right now, Lord, help us to love you more. We are to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yet we fail miserably. Lord, help us to pray more often. Help us not to be careless and routine and rote and mechanical but give us a heart to speak and to ask, to praise, to glorify You with a heart of flame. May we never become dull. May we never be lukewarm like the church in Laodicea. And we know that You would want to spit them out because of their lukewarmness. And may it never be that we in this place would ever succumb to that. And Father, if there's someone here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as His Savior, today is the day of salvation. May He cry out as the publican did, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. And that man went home justified. So Father, we thank you. we we praise your holy name, and may you bless us in the coming week in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, we have been challenged, I trust, with regard to the importance of prayer. On Wednesday night, we considered together that verse in Romans 15 where the Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, Strive, that means labor with me in prayer. And uh, I I don't know how much we know about laboring in prayer. As Ken mentioned, knocking uh, on that door of prayer. Well, with that, let's take our Trinity hymn books and turn to hymn 534. Hymn 534 sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care i think sometimes we get done praying and we're not sure how sweet it's been but if we've communed with god as we ought it should be a sweet time of fellowship with him 534
1: let's stand here.